When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Craig and Katya. And you know what we want to tell them about? Hawaii Five-0 is having a sale on pilgrim hats. That's right, and pumpernickel. <laughs> pumpernickel bread is so underrated. That's why I choose rye. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like to go check out my options on patreon.com slash Katya and Craig. That's where all the relevant tea is spilled, Ooh. as it were, and not to mention certain facts that can be used as receipts upon dragging a person, Exposing. tearing off their wig, mm-hmm. um, going off, snapping. Snatching. Snatching. Absolutely. Spalding. Oh, Spalding yeah. gray her. <laughs> Drag her, monologue her. Diane Weist her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Ellen barking her to death, hunty. Barbara Hershey. Oh, who Hershey? Who was she? Damn. Find out all mm. that and more on patreon.com slash Katya and Craig. Because what, what do we have there? We got the bonus episodes? We got bonus episodes. We got uh, we got extra episodes. We got exclusive episodes. We got firewall pay-through uh, non-standard uh, secret episodes. We got movie clubs. We got anti-movie clubs. Yeah. We got uh, fish and chips. We got haggis. We got uh, deals and uh, deal or no deals. And we got uh, Howie Mandel's OCD uh, pay-per-view comedy hour. That's right. Absolutely. All that and more plus listen to questions. So listen, go there at the patreon.com slash Katya and Craig and enjoy yourself. So listen, why don't we get into the episode? episode now a russian ballerina stopping on a bureaucrat a perky suburban housewife who just got into scats it's whimsically volatile uh, how's your uh, headphone level uh great it sounds exactly like the podcast okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an issue with non-reimbursement of business travel expenses, need authorization on funds for the office holiday party, or perhaps you need clarification on your company's 401k matching program? Well, if that's the case, you're in luck. Because today on Whimsically Volatile, we're going to CC and BCC with the Australian mistress of red tape and filing in triplicate, Karen from Finance. Welcome. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You nailed her to a T. (laughs) (laughs) I I like to nail them to the T. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And before we uh, proceed, let's uh, get into a beverage. Nothing thrills me like a sound effect. So here we go. Now, I normally like to let the guest open their own beverage, but um, I'm presenting Karen with a genuine Victoria Bitter. An authentic chilled can of VB. (laughs) Wow. On the other side of the world. This is incredible. VB is... The biggest beer in Australia, is that right? Or is it the, what is it? Well, no, every state has its own, its own iconic beer. Oh, okay. Whereas VB is from my state, Victoria, which is Melbourne. Oh, perfect, yeah. I think internationally the biggest one is Foster's, even though in Australia Foster's doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> um, As I discovered, now Foster's is owned, I think, by what an American company. I think I, I, think, I think it is now, at least. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah, they think it's huge in the UK. They kind of think it's huge here. I think, but uh, yeah, no, VB's big one. I think in in Perth, my favourite one is a red can. I think it's called Emu Export. It's okay. a red can from Perth. I yeah. mean. 
I shouldn't be laughing about it, but it's nicknamed the wife beater. Uh, it's a pretty, it's pretty, That's it's a pretty, pretty terrible beer, but uh, iconically delicious. Yeah, <laughs> and only the finest of customers well, enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that comes with a um, a little a nice T-shirt or something, a nice wife beater T-shirt. Well, yeah, it's more of like a sleeveless bonds. Oh, I see. Okay. Like a blue trucker kind of color. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, sleeveless. That's mm, the key. Mm. That's the key. So, is beer your favorite tipple, or what would be? Uh, no, I like a Sailor Jerry spiced rum lime and coke. Oh yeah, yeah. I also love I, I love a delicious expensive champagne. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and you said before we started taping, it was lovely of you. You were considering bringing a bottle of champagne. Well, yeah, I uh, I, I went down. There's a beautiful there's a beautiful uh, wine store down the road here. Oh, Melon Rose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was having a look at the chilled champagne, but there's nothing there's nothing worse than when you bring a bottle of something to someone's house that doesn't drink <laughs> it gives this expectancy that's just it, it sets you off on the wrong tone right so, hey uh, we're gonna have fun oh no i guess we're not gonna have fun because you don't want to do you <laughs> hey you don't have to drink to have fun and i'm all for I'm, exactly i'm all for not drinking it's uh, i support that i think it's a great choice but me personally i love it yeah yeah well look, whatever it. works for anyone is my policy there you know you what go. i mean i'm always happy when people are happy that's why i like to keep a full bar you know what I mean? And, well, the um, full bar. I didn't think I would turn up in, in Hollywood and be offered a chilled can of VB. <laughs> this is just remarkable. Well, thank you. I like to make it little special uh, moments for our guests. And uh, and we had a lovely meeting. Uh, our first meeting was at Mardi Gras. <laughs> How well do you remember it? Oh, uh, I just I was told later on. Uh-huh. that uh, <laughs> I had uh, people report back to me that we met and had a lovely time. I remember... I remember being very fuzzy. Yeah, sure. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I also remember a moment in the big pavilion where we stepped what i thought was like oh i guess we're going outside oh uh, oh no, no there's no outside here you know that kind of thing where the dark part of the ceiling i thought oh that's the outdoor part of the pavilion there oh, yeah. is no outdoor part of the pavilion it's that yeah. late stage of the night where inside is outside and outside is inside <laughs> yeah. and you're neither up or down yeah exactly <laughs> i think that's exactly when we met <laughs> i think you're right as well and i think i said something to you like uh, sorry, I'm a little uh, under that's the web there. <laughs> that's exactly what came out of your mouth. Meanwhile, I was there in full drag. Yeah. Maybe it was four o'clock in the morning. I'd been in drag for about 16 hours. Yeah. I still looked beautiful. You absolutely did. I, my, my shoes stayed on until eight o'clock in the morning when I got really? home. I, I, I mean, I looked beautiful. I was a little bit tragic. My wig line had slipped <laughs> past maybe two millimeters, revealing that nice white line between the contour ah, and the hair. Yes. I, uh, I'd lost one of the pom-poms off of my, off of my blouse and my, the, I'd lost an earring uh-huh. but my favorite bit is that the uh the toes of my fishnets yeah had torn open <laughs> and had sort of succumbed all the way halfway up my calf and so i was walking around with one beautiful leg and then one with the illusion just destroyed <laughs> and fully ripped too not just a run but, but just just completely destroyed completely open yeah uh, but i had a big smile on my face and i was loving life <laughs> yeah yeah no you were uh, a beaming light mm. off of you and this year you were the MC host s of the party what's the title for yes that? so that was oh uh, yeah MC okay I would call myself the MC the host uh that was of the white party on the Friday night oh I uh, see okay which Aquaria was down headlining right um at home nightclub it was oh, yeah, huge. I went to go see Aquaria that yeah. was fantastic it was a really yeah. fun show it was really fun to um it was really fun to be in a giant nightclub 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. You don't get a lot of those. Yeah. I feel like as the years have gone by, the last few years have gone by, you know, the the drag shows were in the nightclubs. Yeah. And then they started getting really, really big. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we were in the theaters Uh and we've, I I feel like I've forgotten what it's like to be in a giant nightclub like that. It was amazing. It is a specific experience. It's a specific experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was lovely. And also being able to go back and forth between the different venues was nice. Yes. As well. Of course. I'd heard a lot about possible sniffer dogs being there and heavy security, but then later was told that it was really much lighter than previous Mardi Gras. And I was curious if you could run down kind of what the, I guess, big brother-like presence there can be in Australia. Sure. Well, it's very specifically New South Wales. Oh, which, it is. Which is Sydney. Okay. The rest of the states are not like that at all. Okay. Uh, we, we call New South Wales the nanny state. The police presence mm-hmm. is really intense there. It's really yeah. strict. And the the ministers and and Lord Mayors are very backwards. I see. Um, They invented these crazy lockout laws a couple of years ago in response to someone that died on the streets, which Uh is understandable, but it's just really archaic and um, it's completely destroyed the nightlife in Sydney. And so, when things like Mardi Gras come around, the police presence is so heavy. And I guess what the controversy is that there's other events or festivals or gatherings in Sydney that are of the same stature as Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. that are not as heavily policed they police it because it's a gay event. Right, right. The gay event does mean there's lots of drugs there. <laughs> what? But, you know, Wait, hang on a second. How I, dare I they you- judge us? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think you're jumping to conclusions. I think that that... <laughs> I was amazed to see, finally, later in the night, Jason and I saw bottles of poppers. Mm-hmm. Someone had to check a bottle of perfume at the beginning of the night, right? So oh, yeah. I didn't think anything of the poppers at first, except for like, hooray! And then later I was like, Wait a second. How did they get those in? Oh, I know how they got those in there. <laughs> That's how they got everything in there. You, you also may have noticed little Kinder Surprise capsules spotted around. Do you have Kinder Surprise here? Do you, you know, know what, what that is? I think someone told me that they were illegal mostly in the States, but... Uh, <laughs> You do see them a lot in LA, so I don't know if that's just over in the east coast of the States, which is where I'm originally from. But yeah, those okay. Kinder Surprise things the, are massive, right? That's the number one uh, traffic capsule. <laughs> oh, really? Well, that's good to know. See, you learn something every day on this show. There you go. Yeah, we just kind of, we had a, a real giggle when we'd see them in the corner of the, <laughs> the, corner oh, of the club. Someone really had some candy. Someone had a great, a great Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Mardi Gras, wow. It was such a moment. Um, I Thank goodness for our mutual friend. Oh, yeah, Lance Horn. Yes. Yes, exactly, who was, brought us together. I was so happy uh, that happened. He yeah. just took care of business on that dance floor, because I think we just kind of smiled at each other and talked some gibberish, and yes. then that was it. But <laughs> yeah. he took care of business. Yeah, and he was like, it's fine. I got the n-. And then, yeah, like minutes later, yep. we were in a group thread. He was like, here's the number. Like, I'm glad you all met. Yeah, he was amazing. He's good like that. And, and he, it's not like he was abstaining either. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just, he's just very talented in that aspect. He's wildly talented. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's gifted, I would say. Gifted, yeah. yes. <laughs> When leaving at four in the morning, I was uh, impressed that Lance and Kurt were going back for another round on the dance floor. Oh, wow. He's got a fabulous story, too. I, I don't know his backstory. Oh, well, I'm going to keep it a little bit of a mystery. Keep it a mystery, because yeah. when I find out, it's going to be the right time. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> I think he, we, him and I met at uh, Mardi Gras about five or six years ago for mm-hmm. the first time, actually. And we kind of stayed in touch. And then I, I stayed at his apartment in New York, I think, two years ago. Oh, cool. Um, when, I, when I visited after DragCon two years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we yet to have that... Uh, 
that so, uncovering of the story. <laughs> We're going to expose her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, have you worked with Lance? Because I know Lance does a lot of work over in Australia. Uh, I haven't worked with Lance, no. The closest we've come... To, uh, I was in Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival last year. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Lance and Alan were over for Edinburgh Festival, which is separate to the Fringe Festival. Alan Cumming, right? Uh, yeah, Alan yeah. Cumming, yes. And we, uh, I got invited to do a show with them there, which was great. And we just had a little you know crazy banter on stage moment for about five minutes or mm-hmm. so but we had a great night there but we've never we've never specifically worked together no okay well i imagine at some point in the future i imagine so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hope so yeah now in terms of your story and exposing you mm. let's go back to the origin of the name which right. everyone's always obsessed with that's the number one question isn't it yeah yeah how I figured, and get why every, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> I remember it very well. It was a Saturday afternoon. Uh, some friends and I were going to a house party back in Melbourne. And uh, we were at the thrift store earlier on in the afternoon. Yeah. And just as we were checking out, there was a rack of $15, like, 80s prom dresses the up best. for grabs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I, at the time, had a huge long beard, like, down to my chest. Oh, wow. Okay. Piercing, central, yeah. uh, very mask, as they would say. Uh-huh. Never considered doing drag. And so, when we decided to buy these dresses and wear them to the party, it was kind of like a funny thing for us to do. Yeah. And uh, we each bought one. We wore them to the party and everyone's having a little giggle. No makeup or anything. And uh, we were wasted in the backyard late that night and started coming up with characters for the women that would have bought them brand new off the rack. Yeah. And we decided that the lady that bought my 80s, you know, pink fluffy thing, she worked in finance. She's Definitely single, middle-aged, yeah. very lonely, lived at home with her budgie, uh-huh. had, had, had nothing going for her, and her name was probably Karen. <laughs> and, and that was that. We didn't think anything more of it. Yeah. But a few months later, it was a friend's 29th birthday party. The theme was Dolly, Denim, and Diamantes. Can't fail with that. <laughs> I love Dolly Parton. Oh, God, me too. So does everyone. Do you have a favorite Dolly era or song? Uh, I can't go past the 80s, 9 to 5 era. Yeah. Um, and I've very recently been, I don't know how I missed it, but it's on the 9 to 5 uh, album, 9 to 5 and Odd Jobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's the fifth track called Working Girl. Okay, let's let's have a little sample you of gotta that. You've got to listen right? to it. I've never been to Dollywood. I'd love to go there. Oh, it is the happiest place on earth. Yeah? Oh, I went about seven or eight years ago, and it's just the happiest place on earth. How long did you stay there for? I, do- I was only there for a day, but I could have stayed forever. <laughs> right. Everyone that works there is connected to Dolly Parton in some way. Oh, right. Family and right? A lot like distant family, okay, distant yeah, relatives. Sure. And they're all so happy to be working there. I've never met people that are so happy to have a job. Yeah. And they just love and idolize her so much. She turned that town, Pigeon Forge, from like a, yeah. a, basically a ghost town. Right. Into this thriving exactly. hub. And it's quite remarkable when you're driving through Pigeon Forge towards Dollywood. Yeah. The entire strip is now uh, is now full of like tourist attractions. Oh wow! It's, okay. a, it's a huge booming success there. So it's spread on from Dollywood oh, and and sort completely. of infected the land in, in a good way. But this song, Working Girl, everyone always associates Karen from Finance with 9 to 5, uh-huh, which sure. is great. And yeah. I love that. But uh, Working Girl is the true song okay. for Karen. Perfect. She's a 
some find her too aggressive She don't know how to stop Cause she's the kind that don't look down Until it's from the top She's elegant and stylish French perfume and a fur Designer clothes by Horsten and Dianne von Furstenberg <laughs> I just love it it's so good. I like how the deliberate pace, it's not rushed. And it's almost like, a, it's, it sounds not unlike this song, but Judas Priest. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a very 80s standard riff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And also that tempo, which you don't get a lot these days. Exactly. It's like they found one noise when they first were creating these noises, and they're like, we're just going to go with this. We're going <laughs> to run with it. We're not going to do anything to it. We're going to roll. <laughs> yeah, this is what we're going to lock into. And also the uh, synth sounds, too, yes. on, on Working Girl. Like that. <laughs> it doesn't change the whole song all the way through. There's no, no, there's no key change or nothing. Yeah, there's and no... it just fades out at the end. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Right as it goes back into the chorus again. Yeah, but as a drag queen, you hate it when a song fades at the end. Oh, no, I actually, because I actually personally hate fade outs. Country fade outs in particular. Uh-huh. They, they go back to the big part of the song and then they start quickly fading out. Yep. When they could have just like found a way out or just got dun 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 dun. Boom. Yeah. Right, and exactly. on the fourth or the first, just <laughs> yeah. leave it alone. Yeah. What do you do when a song fades out? Okay. The trick is. Oh, sorry. To, you can just move that. That's pillow. right. I literally thought it was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first guest to have said that, actually. So. Oh, all right. Now I'm getting creepy. Uh. <laughs> um, what do I do? I always. So when they perform, when artists perform a live version. Yeah. Yeah. of the song they can't fade it out when they're performing live so i always find that i'll either do the live version or i'll edit the album version into the live version so it ends with a snap oh that's perfect and also probably a little bit of live applause which helps it, it does help they're like wow this number's going over fantastic yeah I, I, wow yeah. everyone in the back of the room really loves this i should clap louder too <laughs> seems louder in here yeah already so it was Dolly, Denim, and Diamante. And, and Diamantes, yeah. Uh, rhinestones, I guess. Sure, yeah. Um, Do and- you like the movie Rhinestone? Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh my God, you'll love I it. I haven't seen it. You'll love it. And I'm Ooh. so excited I got a mint condition poster. Oh, really? Love it. Yeah, yeah. And it you was, like your movie posters? I do love yeah. my movie posters, yeah. I have to frame that one yet, but okay. it's going to go up. It's actually an Australian poster. Oh, wow. There's a type of poster, Australian Daybill. It's like a three quarter of, of this size. Mm-hmm. And they're called, uh, I guess, also insert posters, but that's what they're known as, Australian Daybills. Oh, sure. I think I know this. The, the, yeah, the shape you're talking about. I've seen them for um, mu- music bills as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the party was Dolly, Denim, and Diamantes, uh, and I thought, this is my opportunity to dress up as Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. And in my head, I said to myself that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it properly. Sure. That didn't mean that I looked good. <laughs> it just meant that I, I spent a lot of time getting the look together. Sure. And I just looked like a monster. So, I mean, so does everyone, but I was like a real specific sort of clown. I'll show you the photo later on. Oh, please. Yeah, um, and if you can send it to me, we can post it. Oh, this. absolutely. I favorited it on my phone because I seem to always want to reference it. It's <laughs> just it's just remarkable i look nothing like dolly parton uh but uh, the the main point is that i look nothing like myself and because i used to have this beard and whatnot yeah uh, when i turned up in drag no one knew who i was oh wow yeah. and uh 
so I they, they said, who are you? I yeah. said, well, I'm Karen from Finance. <laughs> it, it, it was the first thing that came to mind. It just rolled yeah. off my tongue. Yeah. And the party went on. And just being that different character with people not knowing who you were, I felt so crazy and so liberated. That's amazing. I went wild. And yeah. I, I remember it being, you know, some crazy hour in the morning. I was dancing on the dining room table. <laughs> and someone leaned to another. I overheard them say, who is that? And they said, that's Karen from Finance. And I thought, oh, I'm going to roll with this. Yeah, that's There's something done. in it. As soon as you hear the third party say something. Yeah. yeah, I cashed in right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> and how long after that did you start performing at venues? Well, I didn't start performing for a long time because for me, it was being Karen was never about being like a performing drag queen. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't even realize that I was doing drag. Okay. I saw it as a costume and sure. nothing more than that. Yeah. I didn't associate it with being a, a drag performer mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. So, uh, I guess that, um, that liberation was the high that I started chasing. Yeah. And so I started getting dressed up and, you know, putting costumes together just to go out to, to club nights. Yeah. And, uh, I guess because I had, was creating this new character, Karen didn't have any friends. And so it, I, I didn't go out with friends. Oh, wow. I would just get dressed up and take myself out. This and they would say, who are you? I'd say, I'm Karen from finance. <laughs> I was like, and I'm here alone. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was really meta. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that, that was how she started. And I was just obsessed. And I think the, I also, because I looked so tragic, the juxtaposition of saying that my name was Karen, a corporate office worker, it didn't make any sense yeah. and was kind of part of the gag. Um, so I, I just did that for the longest time until a friend uh, who was, I guess, an alternative drag performer. Her name's Olympia Bukakis. Mm-hmm. Great uh, name. It used to be Mummy Complex. She changed it to Olympia Bukakis. Uh, she kind of ran the alternative drag scene in Melbourne when I was first starting out. She now lives in Berlin. Uh, she asked me to perform at her party, Pandora's Box. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was astounded. I thought, well, why are you asking me to do this? I'm not a performer in any way, shape or form. <laughs> I work in bars. I don't do this sort of thing. But yeah. I, I'm interested. I'd love to give it a go. And, and I did. And it was, a, it was a real success. It was a hoot. Everyone loved it. And from then on, nothing has... It, it hasn't stopped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here we are right now in West Hollywood talking about it yeah, eight years right. later. Exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. So, what was the scene like when you started uh, doing the... Well, if I go back to being uh, 18, which is when you can first start going out and drinking in Melbourne, uh, the the scene was thriving. Uh-huh. Uh, we Our city was uh, split into two. We had the north side of the river and the south side of the river. Yeah. The north side is where all the cool hipster alternative kids were. The south side is where it was your, um, you know, your West Hollywood, your Muscle Marys and your, <laughs> and your beautiful pageantry drag and all of uh-huh. that sort of jazz. Um, and so, I was on the north side but was really interested in the South side, but maybe around about the age of like 20, 21, that scene really died. And I moved North and then never went and saw a drag show again. Oh, wow. And so when I started doing drag, uh, I was living in the North and I grew up in the alternative drag scene. So Mm -hmm. that was where it all started for me. Um, But of course, with the success of things like drag race and drag just manifesting over the years, the North and South kind of no longer exist. The North side is now the popular side for drag in Melbourne. Everyone and anyone is invited. It's very diverse. It's really mm-hmm. incredible over there. And I guess you could almost say that Karen has gone from being a Northside. Excuse me. You're getting emotional. To, I understand. I forgot to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> she's, gone, she's gone from being this trashy, this, this trashy whore into being like a, I, I like to say like a well put together woman. Yeah. yeah. She's kind of proud of herself these days. Yeah. We were up, it's, uh, we're stunning the both times we ran into each other in person. Oh, yeah? And it was funny when we saw each other at DragCon recently, because we walked by each other. I had had this thing going on where I was kind of overwhelmed by it. There was, every queen was there. Everyone. And But the trouble is, there's also some fans. I mean, we were in the backstage area, so there wouldn't be a confusion of fans. 
But I had this thing where, you know, when you're like, is that, I think I know them. Well, I don't know. I won't go up to them because, do you know what I mean? Totally. And also like uh, everyone's getting ready to do their thing. You came out and were like, hey, Craig. And I was like, oh, hey, thanks. Because uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't was in, sure. <laughs> I, no, I was in like a fugue state for a little while. Do you right. know what I mean? I dipped in and out of that a little yeah. bit a couple times. Like I'd leave the floor and then I'd sort of be like. A little bit like Krusty the Clown when the lights go off, you know, mm. and the Simpsons is like, eh, and you don't really know what's happening. That's what it's like backstage at things like that, you know? It's I mean, true. everyone is there putting on this face and talking to everybody they possibly can. Backstage in the green room, it's not like uh, it's not like at a rock and roll concert where all the, you know, all the bandmates are together and they're drinking and it's a crazy party. Right. Backstage at a drag show, everyone is quiet and just kind of keeping to themselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> and slightly sort of, not slouched, but slumped a little, just kind of like, Ugh. Yeah, just like a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also poking around be like are there any of those energy bars like yeah. <laughs> really where, where is this trail mix that's exactly right i'm just where where is the closest cup of tea yeah that's all really that starts to uh get on your mind the second day i brought a jug of iced tea because i could not find any anywhere which oh. also i can't find any in australia i didn't know that wasn't a thing iced tea yeah oh it's not nearly as popular no you can buy it bottled from the supermarket but it's just not a thing okay yeah i remember yep. seeing some lipton stuff but i didn't see even any on sweden or anything whereas this is like the land of iced tea yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. it's one of the one of the crazy differences also it's like milk I feel like you don't have milk here. Is that right? There is milk, but almost no one drinks it. No one understands when I ask for milk. And I don't know what to ask. What, what is half and half? <laughs> oh, okay. So half and half is basically half milk, half cream. Okay. Generally, cream and coffee is not full cream usually. It's usually a half and a half that they'll serve sure. you. Yeah. I've, never, I've never been across that. So are you a milk drinker just mm. with uh, beans oh, with and my everything? Oh, with my tea. I like a white tea. Milk in tea. Okay. Milk in tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you have a favorite like biscuit or snack that you have with tea? Oh, um... No, not really. Yeah. Do I have a favorite snack that I have with tea? No, a chocolate biscuit, a little Tim Tam or something. Oh, a a little mint slice. Mm -mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite Tim Tam flavor? Uh, yeah. Okay, so double coat is the best. Those are fantastic. However, yeah. Yeah. You, because they're so thick, you get less in a packet than the original. Oh, right. So it's better to go for original because it's the same flavor because yeah. you get more. That's a good point. That's yeah. the trick. I actually had the uh, carry-on piece of luggage that was full of Tim Tams mm -hmm. and other snacks. I can't remember specifically which ones, but there's a lot of uh, Cadbury variations yep. in Australia that you cannot get here. Yep. It's only slightly worrying when I then unpack it and I'm like, why did I bring back all these sweets? <laughs> like I came back from Iceland recently and there are nuts for licorice there. Yeah, right. Chocolate-covered licorice. they like licorice. They are fanatical about it. Chocolate-covered licorice. There's a pepper-coated licorice. There's a lot of licorice going on over there. No, so, I'm not into licorice. No, then, <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, because I and I love it. And so it's also funny because I thought when I got home, I was like, I'll give some of this away. No one wants it. No one wants it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm not into licorice. No, I don't know anyone that is. But you have those big, yeah. Anyway, we don't need to go into that. <laughs> what? I, I was those saying, big what? <laughs> I, was doing a, I was doing a little, um, I did a little shoot for a little project last week. And um, I, one of the most fascinating things to me is always the, uh, the catering, the catering table mm -hmm. at like an independent shoot. Oh, yeah. How do, yeah. Different people cater so differently depending on who it is, what the project is. Sure. I always love to see what other people think you're going to want. <laughs> and there was the biggest jar of like raspberry licorice twists or something oh, yeah, like, yeah i mean i i don't like licorice but i i, got, I dove right in because i was just so intrigued by this thing i'd never seen anything like it yeah twizzlers i think probably is what they were or red vines red, yeah. red vines that's exactly what it was did you know your teeth move as you get older a lot of people don't i definitely did not so what does one do when interested in some preventative action i mean who wants to spend all that money and time on braces 
Well, guess what? Now you have another option, and that option is Candid, the clear alternative to braces. Candid has an experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state to create a treatment plan for you. They create a 3D preview of how your teeth will look after your treatments are done. There's no hassle of going to an orthodontist's office, and Candid costs 65% less than braces. Plus, for every aligner that's purchased, Candid donates $25 to SmileTrain. SmileTrain brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatments to children around the globe. So, if you want to get straighter, brighter teeth in an average of just six months, well, go learn more at candidco.com WV and use code WV to get $75 off. That's candidco.com WV and use code WV to get $75 off. All right, so I just told you about some product that you should go buy, but now here's a little bit of information about a show you should go see in L.A. Featuring Michael DeBar, who happens to be here. Michael DeBar and the Mistakes, which is the That's best right. name ever of any group in the history of rock and roll. And <laughs> you I found say, it. You yeah, found the best name. Yeah, I find the best name and make the most mistakes. I mean, the, the, the thing about us is we play very loud and we make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> What's no mistake is a terrific show that's happening oh, now. When is it? Yeah. Thank you. It's going to be August 28th at the Redwood Bar, which is a great club down there. DTLA, downtown Los Angeles. Dirty Sweet Rock and Roll Club, August 28th, the Redwood Bar. Come and join us. Who doesn't love a true crime podcast? Well, guess what? There's a new one from the Parcast Network, and it's a daily show. Today in True Crime, it's the new podcast that takes you back to the biggest events in true crime that happened each day in history. Whether the crime is infamous or just plain interesting, there's a crime story for every day of the year. For instance, on August 31st, 1888, Jack the Ripper committed his first murder. On October 3rd, 1995, O.J. Simpson was acquitted. On November 19th, 2017, cult leader Charles Manson died. And there's so many more. Actually, as we mentioned, one for every day of the year. And now, with ParCast's first daily true crime podcast, which, by the way, is called Today in True Crime, you no longer have to wait a week or sometimes longer to get your true crime fix. With new episodes each and every day, you'll never run out of true crime content again. Crime never takes a day off, and now neither does ParCast. Follow Today in True Crime for free on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. What was the first year you did DragCon? Oh, it was two years ago. So uh-huh. uh, we've just we've just closed out my third DragCon. Your association with World of Wonder had an interesting start, didn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really did. Um, one of the first things I ever did was I, uh, I, I, I think, I could be wrong and I would love to be, um, I'd love to be corrected if I am wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was the first person in Australia to do... Uh, a, a drag race screening party yeah. that was open to the public. Sure. It started in my backyard. Mm-hmm. We lived in a small townhouse in Carlton in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, and so we had like a, a, a garage door that we'd open up from our backyard that led into the laneway. And uh, we opened that up and hung a bed sheet over the neighbor's fence, uh, put out a projector and like a guitar amp mm-hmm. and played the first episode of season six, it was, okay, and yeah. made a, a public uh, Facebook event and invited anyone to come and join yeah. us. And we had about 40 people turn up. Mm-hmm. Most were friends, but there were a couple of people that we didn't know that thought they were coming to a bar. Our, <laughs> our house was called The Trough. Okay. Um, we nicknamed it The Trough because uh, the housemates that lived there we would just resembled nothing more than pigs playing in mud <laughs> trashy trashy kids that we were and uh so people would turn up to the trough and uh we made so many friends sure. just that first night uh by the show really does bring people together yeah yeah 
And I think what, what I, what's very important um, to point out is that in Australia, we didn't have Drag Race on any of the networks. Right. Um, we it aired on uh, a channel called Lifestyle, I think, on one of our cable networks, Foxtel, uh-huh. but it aired six weeks late. Oh, great. And no one's interested in that. So no. every, everyone was torrenting it. Everyone was downloading it sure. illegally. It was just great to project it and, you know, celebrate it with people. Yeah. And so this first night, there were 40 people there. It just grew and grew and grew and turned into this huge piss up on a Tuesday night at our yeah. house. Um, until the finale of season six, there were so many people coming to our house. Also, I should say that it was a dress up party. Oh, and so okay. I set a different theme and gave away a ship prize to whoever came best dressed on the night. And it's a Tuesday night in Dragon Cult in someone's backyard. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the finale was so big that I booked out uh, the, the free function room at the Irish pub on the corner of my street. Yeah. And uh, we had 200 people turn up. Wow. And they were all in like terrible trashy drag. And we, we played all these games. Games and got really, really drunk and watched the episode. And it was just one of the most magical, like, community nights yeah, ever. Yeah. Um, so much so that we did it at the pub every night for the next season, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. I think it was the beginning of season eight, I got sent a cease and desist letter from the cable company <sighs> telling me to stop because yeah. this event just got so big. There were hundreds of people coming every week. Yeah. And so I wrote back to them and I politely said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cause any anguish. We'll take the event down and we'll stop doing it. I uh, emailed everyone privately and said, give it two weeks to cool down and then come back. I'm just not going to do it on Facebook anymore. Yeah. And so we, we carried on, um, but uh, quietly. And then they announced after season eight, All Stars 2. And I thought, actually, I've had enough. This is crazy. Like, they've destroyed this amazing community event that we were having. And if it was up to date on Foxtel, we'd pay for it. Yeah. But it was just not an option. So, I I wrote to Foxtel, which was the cable company, and complained. And I I did it in an open letter. I sent it to World of Wonder as well. Mm -hmm. And people got behind it. I think even some of the Ruga, I know Detox shared it. It became this huge thing and blew up all across Australia. I got interviewed on the radio stations. Mm-hmm. All, of the, all of the blogs did write-ups. And Foxtel got back in touch with me very quickly <laughs> and tried to silence me yeah. immediately and yeah. said, we're going to look into this. Um, World of Wonder got in touch. I also heard from um, a dis- distribution company in London, mm-hmm. um, which I think were the international distributors for the show. Okay. And what was interesting is that these three companies were obviously not communicating with each other very well because no one knew whose fault it was. Right. And so, it, it caused this the, the, the pot to stir, I guess. And yeah. in the end, what happened is that um, uh, we realized that it, w- it was someone's fault. Foxtel <laughs> lost the rights to Drag Race. And yeah. now another, like similar to Netflix that we call it Stan in Australia, they got the mm-hmm. rights and all stars 2 was finally aired when it when it launched up to date with the us and so people were very grateful <laughs> certainly yeah. and i was i was very well praised yeah. and also you changed the policy basically I changed the policy yeah but yeah. you know what uh, it, and by the way take please enjoy uh, oh thanks yeah i, I keep get asking. too excited <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm really going through it. i'm glad there's a second can oh, in the yeah. fridge <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what happened with All Stars 2, though, I think that that was the first season to air on a weekend night, like on a, on a, on a th- I think it was a Thursday. Oh, okay. So, yeah, in Australia, yeah. that's going to be Friday night. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, um, yeah. you so guys are in the future. We're in the future. We're 17 hours ahead of you. <laughs> it's really crazy. Um, so, All Stars aired on a Thursday night, uh, which meant that the midweek screening parties were now no longer. Um, we were having Friday night like watch Drag Race before the club kind mm-hmm. of thing. But now because Drag Race was so popular, people weren't coming to the club on a Friday night because I'd oh, rather stay right. home and watch the show. Yeah. And it was just, the, it was kind of the end of that fun period 
for yeah. me, for us, at least back home. It, I mean, it was the best season yet, but it was, wasn't fun anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. I lost that edge, that, that party community vibe that went along with it that was so special for us. And have you been enjoying the show since? I still enjoy it. Yeah, course, I love the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I watch it every week. I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, again, we're in the future, so it comes out at like midday on a Saturday for uh-huh. us. So, That's um, pretty good, actually. Yeah. For me, right? it's always like wake up from the hangover, <laughs> get some Uber Eats, watch Drag Race with my partner, Stuart, and then get ready for the Saturday night shows. <laughs> perfect. It's a perfect. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your partner, Stuart, how long have you been together? We've been together for almost four years. Mm-hmm. Where'd you meet? We actually met at the pub that I used to work at before I was doing drag. It's like a rock and roll bar in Melbourne. Oh, we, cool. um, it's like a cool, like sort of, um, actually, it's like an Americana bar downstairs. And then we have a live music venue upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a funny story. Uh, I used to do the season eight drag race screenings at this at this pub. Okay, yeah. But um, before that, when we met, uh, I just I just quit my job there. And they had a big band from the U.S. coming over and touring. And they said, we need, we need you back. We need extra staff. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to really work. You just have to pour beers. You mm-hmm. can get wasted. <laughs> It'll be a party. Saturday night, we'll have a great time. Yeah. My partner, Stuart, works in... He's a fashion stylist. And he had some big fashion festival that had just finished. And so, he came in... Um, for knockoffs mm-hmm. i was wasted behind the bar he was wasted <laughs> on the other side of the bar i think i was throwing free drinks his way and yeah. uh he was giving me the eye and then i eventually said something like well he just moved house and i said great well i'm gonna go home now and he said oh it's such a shame that um my new house there's construction going on next door i can never sleep properly i said oh well <laughs> do you want to sleep at my house <laughs> i would hate for you to have an interrupted night of sleep i oh mean my it's gosh. just i'm just being kind here i just want to <laughs> i'm so benevolent of so, you. it was so lovely so offering and uh, yeah we've been together ever since oh that's lovely <laughs> it is cute yeah does he ever travel with you to um on tour yeah he's here at the moment actually we've uh, we've always done DragCon together Oh, that's great. Um, he comes and helps out in the booths. So anyone that's been to my booth would have my booth would have had their photo taken I by the to, lovely Stuart. I went to the booth, which is very exclusive. The booth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exclusive booth behind the kids zone. <laughs> I remember when I was looking at the schedule or trying to find the schedule i kept seeing kids on but it, like it didn't register with me i was just right. like as if it was like another part of the shopping mall yeah and then i was like oh right right because there's a bunch of kid uh the, drag fans there's a lot of there's a lot of children at DragCon. yeah I, I i i mean to be honest i never went to the kids zone at DragCon, so no, i've never I mean, seen yeah. if it's used but i guess it must be yeah i think it's just a holding tank right yeah <laughs> a distraction yeah exactly <laughs> oh there's kids on that should be fun and then the doors close it's like uh, I the love, jail door slam i think the booth the kids zone this year was right next to gia guns uh oh, that's, booth, yeah. which makes sense you know <laughs> milk and cookies you know exactly they just go hand in hand how easy is it for you to visit and say hello to everyone at DragCon? Because I was sort of overwhelmed, but again, it was my first time. Mm. So I'm curious as to uh, how it works for you. My intentions of coming to DragCon are not really to visit. Um, yeah. uh, so I I certainly try and get around and see the people that I'm close with. Um, by the way, Tammy Brown says hello. Oh, she was you on had the show her yesterday. On yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an angel. Yeah, she sends her love. Yeah, she was fabulous. Yeah. She's an absolute angel. I love her to pieces. But yeah, I try I get around and I try and see who I can. But yeah. um but otherwise, I mean it's just near impossible. It's not really a good networking um position for the queens to go and see oh, each sure. other. But it's no, so even difficult. just to say hello to friends and everything, it seemed like it would be rather daunting. It's it is. It is. Yeah. And uh there's never like a good time to do it. You know, right. like if even if you do find the opportunity to go and see a friend, 
they've got 400 people lining up for them who have been waiting five hours. Yeah. And so, you taking 30 seconds is like, you just feel bad. I'm used to seeing the meet and greets back home, which are really never any longer than an hour. And oh. maybe they're like 100, 150 people max. Yeah. And the the fans get so excited about the meet and greet. And they always, I mean, the queens are always telling stories about the fans telling them crazy stories when they do it. Yeah. And they're so frantic and nervous about their, you know, their 30 seconds that they get with their favorite queen. Yeah. I can't imagine what it must be like when they've been waiting five hours. I know. And, you know, for the panel, uh, for the uh panel, uh-huh. there was people waiting from six in the morning. Wow. I know. I couldn't believe it because we... A few of us went down and thought, oh, okay, so maybe, we, you know, with the talent pass, we can pop in the back and just, you know, check it out a bit. Yeah. But they were like, no. And then they pointed over and the, uh, the, if anyone left, they had a standby line. And the standby line was still there even towards the end of the panel, which was, and that's the 1500 seat hall. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, isn't it? It really is. So, yeah, they, I mean, these these fans that are waiting since six in the morning, if they have the opportunity to meet and chat to this person, they've been this idol that they've been waiting to yeah. see. They must be friend. I would be crazy. Right. Exactly. I it's couldn't imagine. And from all over the world, too. Mm-hmm. There was a huge Australian contingent. Um, there were a lot of Aussies there this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there always are. I always feel like I see a lot of Aussies there when I've been there. But this year, there were a lot of Aussies. And I yeah. find also Australians travel more than americans in general yeah well everyone always complains that australia is so far away but and it is but when you (laughs) when you live in australia and everything is so far away you have no choice but to travel if you want to see or do anything sure and so i think it's a lot less of a deal for us to come to the states than it is for maybe someone from the states to go to australia Mm -hmm. um it's just something that yeah that that you have to accept and do and and we love we love to get out yeah. We love to travel. I mean, we live in this giant country with these tiny cities. We're desperate to get out and find out what else is out there. Mm. And it's quite a distance between the cities, right? Yeah. I mean, between, say, like uh, the East Coast, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, it's about like a 10-hour drive between oh, wow. the two, I think, which yeah. is like a an hour flight between each. Sure. And then, of course, is Perth, which is four or five hours on the other side of the country. <laughs> um, and in the middle of that is virtually nothing mm-hmm. you've got cities like darwin alice springs broom which are all beautiful beautiful places but they're surrounded by desert okay um, yeah. and it's spectacular it's absolutely breathtaking i recommend anyone that's going to australia to get into the outback and see it mm-hmm. it's it's just actually not a- even anyone that's traveling to australia i recommend to aussies to go out and see it we're so quick to jump on an airplane and fly 15 hours to los angeles <laughs> but we won't drive four or five hours into the outback and it's one of the most breathtaking things in the world you've opened for a lot of folks on tour in australia yeah uh i've i've been working with the um with the touring company there for about five years i think and is that itd itd yeah Mm -hmm. in the dark events they're the prominent touring company for um all the girls from drag race Mm -hmm. and so i've been opening shows in melbourne for about five years and i've been touring uh like their national tours for about three years which is just so much fun, you yeah. know, for a little drag queen from Australia to get to perform to crowds of up to like two and a half thousand people yeah. is, is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And, you know, you get to, uh, I guess I've built up this um, weird kind of like cult, like niche following by doing that because people associate me with this huge show, RuPaul's Drag Race, which I've got nothing to do with at all. <laughs> um, but I'm just this cult niche figure that pops up at the start of every show and the fans have responded really well to it. And I just love it so much. Yeah. It's so fun. And it's so fun to meet the girls and to a, and to sure. a down under. Yeah. 
and everyone's so different. Everyone's so different. You know, I, I like, it's just like walking in here, you know, uh, do I bring the bottle of champagne or do I not? <laughs> I always arrive with my little suitcases and I'll be polite and friendly and I suss them out. Like, are, are we going to party or are we going to, are we going to be very professional? And well, if we're going to be professional, I'll be professional. Uh-huh. I can be professional like, like, like <laughs> no the best of them. <laughs> well, you know, as the head of the finance department, uh, you've you know, got to be, you have to be. There's people relying on you. But if you get invited to Friday night drinks with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> a whole different situation. You can be out all weekend. Yeah, you got to be a professional partier. <laughs> so, uh, what was your take when you walked in? Into this apartment? Yeah. It's a beautiful apartment. Oh, thank you. Uh, you're obviously completely obsessed with film and music, which I love. I was curious about the uh, professional or party uh, ratio. Oh, okay, sure. Well, this is definitely like a really good kick-ons apartment. Yes, I agree. Thank um, you. <laughs> I presume it's very. It's, I, I mean, it's you've got beautiful black leather furniture, and and the room is blacked out. But I presume that's for sound. Uh, well, it's also for you know. Okay, sometimes sure. you don't like the sun creeping in and uh, <laughs> getting on your nerves. <laughs> Actually, it kind of reminds me of Lance's apartment in in New York oh, City. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm going back to New York uh, at the end of June for the 50th anniversary of Pride. Oh, wow. And so I'm gonna be visiting Lance there. Okay, great. Yeah, he's got a beautiful apartment. Um, yeah, it reminds me of that it, it's uh, it, it's very very inviting, welcoming, and comfortable. Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> thanks for having me here. Yeah, oh, it's been uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Well, it's been lovely. Ha. Huh? We're both coffee and choky today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll be the name of the episode. <laughs> coffee and choky. <laughs> Welcome to Coffee and Choky, everybody. <clears throat> With Karen and Craig. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so happy that you uh, could come here and that we could arrange it and everything. And you fly out tomorrow? Uh, no, I fly out on Thursday to Las Vegas oh, uh, great. for four days. And then I fly back to Melbourne. Oh, that's fantastic. It's good you're getting a little bit of uh, another visit in. Yeah. And also that you're not going straight back after the con because you need a little bit of... No, well, you'd be crazy, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. The, and the jet lag would just be like next level. Yeah. If, if, you, if you flew in for four days and then home, you'd be really badly jet lagged. But the greatest thing about, uh, well, for, for, for me, touring and, and traveling... I try and mix the two together. So, if ever I get the opportunity to go overseas or go anywhere, yeah. really, I try and add a vacation onto the end of it where possible because, it, I mean, then it kind of pays for itself. It's just crazy to miss those opportunities. How do you decorate your place? Our apartment is really cute. It's kind of like, a, it's definitely got like a, that modern vintage vibe. Uh-huh. It's very bright. Uh-huh. It's very like poppy and colorful as well. We've yeah. got two beautiful big standard poodles that live in the apartment as well. Oh, lovely. What are their names? Peter and Susan. <laughs> uh, they're three and two. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're, they're just adorable. Yeah, we've got, a, we've got a really cute little apartment, but very, very bright. Mm-hmm. Very bright and sun-filled. It's well, lovely. That's nice, yeah. Mm. And uh, Karen is kept in a room all to her own, and she's completely banned from existing anywhere else in the house. I think that that's the smartest move, right? Like, Trixie has the garage uh-huh. that is the drag area. Mm-hmm. And I remember at Katya's old place, it had all been intermixed. And then once you mix that stuff in, in all the rooms, yeah. there's no governor on it. Tell me, because I'm interested. I feel like rent is a lot higher in the US, especially in the bigger cities. And so, therefore, you know, people are going to be affording much smaller places. Right. You've, you, some people have no choice but to intermix the drag with- That's very true. Yeah. With the house. So, I, I, definitely, I, I definitely understand that. But where possible, the more that you can separate the two, the healthier your lifestyle is going to be. Now, now, what about that just in terms of uh, just your life? How do I feel in my life about separating the two? Yeah, about having the character and then- 
not being in character. I'm pretty strict about it. Yeah. I'm pretty strict about it because I really enjoy being in character. Sure. Well, that I, liberation you mentioned before. Yeah. Right? It still exists. Yeah. It still exists. Like, I love drag so much. I will still, I mean, gosh, I think it was like two weeks ago. I still went, I, I don't need to get paid to do a gig. Mm-hmm. It's my full-time job as well, so I need to get paid to do a gig. <laughs> sure. But I, I've got I've to work out where to draw the line, but I will still get in drag and go out for fun. Oh, wow. I love it. Yeah. But only in the only in the right way for uh-huh. the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Not like, I don't know what to do tonight. I know, I'll just throw this on. And, exactly. Yeah. Or I'm invited to this party. I could go and have an okay time. Or if I sent Karen instead, yeah. she would have a great time. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I'm still very strict about it because I'm very scared of losing that. I'm very scared sure. of, of, of not enjoying it anymore. Uh-huh. And gosh, what am I going to do then? <laughs> <laughs> So does that also mean that you limit the amount of gigs or not limit, but you're very sort of judicious about how often you're working as Karen? Uh, I struggle with that because, uh, because it is, it is, she is also my job. Uh, I find it difficult to turn down work, uh, especially if it's paying well. Um, I have definitely done many a gig that I'm maybe, if I say not proud of, that sounds really drastic. But I'm going to roll with it, for lack of a better word. <laughs> sure. I've done many- How about ashamed of? Um, that I'm, yeah, ashamed of. Wow, that doesn't make me feel much better either. <laughs> I've, Deep, deeply regret. I've definitely, I've definitely done a lot of gigs that, I, um, that I'm, uh, yeah, oh, gosh, I can't say, that I'm, that, that I'm not proud of putting my name to. You know, okay, I'll, sure, I'll yeah. advertise my involvement as little as possible right. just to get by. Um, but that's what pays the bills. Of course. You know, we haven't uh, we haven't all been on major international TV shows, and if we want to work full time like this, it's a really niche market to get into and be a part of. Yeah, you've you've got to do what you've got to do, um, and sometimes looking at it as work is the best way to do that. Sure. Um, but you do, yeah, you do have to be very careful, and uh, and uh, being a good negotiator is part of that because I feel like if you're getting paid enough. It kind of like makes it a little bit better. Yeah, it takes the sting out of it. Takes the sting yeah. out. I mean, it's still gross. <laughs> it's still really gross. But what can you do? You know, what can you do? What can you yeah. do? And plus, everyone with every job, there's certain things you do because you're just like, hey, this is the money. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. I I used to clean toilets, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at you're all. You're not proud of it, but you'll do it. Right. That's what pays the bills. If anyone ever tried to give you attitude or anyone tried to give anyone attitude about doing something yeah. for money, they can go fuck themselves. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know what I can't do is like a hen's party. What do What's you call a, hen's party a bachelorette again? party? Oh my God. I, yeah. Okay. They're such big money makers back home and I'm so impressed with all the girls that do it, but I just, I've tried it. Yeah. I've tried to do a couple, but I can't bring myself to do it. I get in drag for midday on a Saturday afternoon and drive out to the suburbs to someone's house. Uh-uh. Yeah. And no way. There's also that risk too because of someone being really into drag, but not thinking that maybe everyone else isn't. I yeah. remember Brian having uh, telling a story about that, and it was a situation like that, mm-hmm. some private place. So there's not even the sort of comfort of the bar where you usually perform, and there's a contingent in there. That's yes. fine because at least you know there's the regular patrons. I remember going to Jacques in Boston where Brian would perform and uh, mm. on one night of the week at maybe Saturdays. Is this Jacques Cabaret that yeah, I've heard yes, about? Yes, indeed. Jacques, Amazing. Jacques' famous cabaret. All right. Yes. And uh, if you're ever in Boston, do check it out. Mm. Uh, and there would be like half the room, the bachelorettes, and it was a different vibe and it was interesting to observe. Yeah, right. Mm. The, I, maybe I'm tainted because I think it was like the first booking that I ever had outside of a bar uh-huh. was a box party, which is a bachelor party. Okay. 
and it was for a a gay man who was getting married to another gay man. But I was told in the lead up that one of the gay men was super into partying and the other was not. And the one that was not was away on business. So, the <laughs> friends were organizing this Bucks party for the one that was into partying while yeah. he was away. Yeah. While they could get away with it. Sure. And I was also told that he loved drag. And so, they were having a drag themed bachelor party, yeah. Bucks party. Uh, at their house and they'd hired makeup artists who were going to put everyone into drag. Mm. They'd got all these costumes and they wanted me to come and perform. Yeah. I thought, this sounds fabulous. I'll do it. And so, I turned up at this beautiful house. It was a mansion. It was huge. Um, And they hid me in a room until it was time to come out. And I came out and performed to a group of people who were so high on coke, they couldn't even see that I was there. Oh, no. um, and then I announced what was going on. And they continued to get in drag for the next three hours, wasted. Yeah. While I literally hid in a back room, like away from everybody. I was yeah. so scared. These people were out of control. And then when I came out to try and perform again, they like whisked me away and stopped my number because the guy whose box party it was, was so- um, like upset that there was a drag queen there and that he was no longer the center of attention. Oh my that God. he got angry. Wow. And you know when people are like cocaine angry? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not cute. It is not. And so I was hiding in like the spare room in this house. I was there for hours. Because <sighs> um, let me guess, they whisked you away and then promptly forgot about you? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. And the worst part was that I'd organized like the VIP section of the of the drag bar that I worked at later that night for them to, uh, we were all supposed to go there together. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I had to kind of like call ahead and be like, look, don't let them in. I'm going to travel with them. Let yeah. me in, but don't let them in. Right. It was just really scary. Sounds scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of cocaine frenzy at this, especially an event that Bucks Party, right? Yeah. So, like a Bucks Party, which is essentially like the new New Year's Eve for these right. folks, right? There's, we're going to have fun, goddammit. There's almost like an aggressive edge to it. Yeah. it's Yeah, you're right. It's like the New Year's, the new new Year's Eve. Bucks Parties, Bachelorette Parties, and New Year's are like primarily for people that don't party on any other night of the year. Right. And they set this unreasonable expectation. Unreasonable. And they do yeah. it so weirdly. Yeah. And anyway. overly intensely. Yeah. <laughs> I, it'd be funny. Wouldn't it be great to have like a camera crew on them like the day after or like yes. two days after? I love to observe it from a distance, but I did not want to be involved. <laughs> no, certainly not. Or hiding in the spare room yes! during it. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> We talked about Dolly. Who mm-hmm. are some other artists that you enjoy? Well, actually, you know, a- away from the campery of it all, uh, my favorite band is a Californian band called Dawes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're an alternative indie folk rock country band. Yeah. Um, I guess they've had like five five records out so far, and they're really um, some of the greatest storytellers I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Goldsmith, I think, is the front man's name, and he's just the most beautiful storyteller. Actually, I'm pretty sure that he recently got married to Mandy Moore. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, he's, uh, he's moving up the chain there in the celebrity ranks. And she is, too, uh, based on what she's revealed about uh, Ryan Adams. Oh, what's the story there? Apparently, he was just a full-on narcissist, oh. controlling nightmare, and she was supposed to record an album with him. Okay. And then he kept delaying it or it just never happened she didn't put an album out for years she was on mark maron show recently in addition to some other outlets and she was revealing that it was just a not very happy time and she sort of lost her sense of self yeah right so yeah it looks like she's um how dark yeah <laughs> how dark yeah exactly and he's gotten into a bit of hot water lately okay. too about being predatory with younger female oh, musicians yuck. but anyway um back to uh coffee and choky yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah dawes are my favorite uh, again it's uh, like i guess it's all about separating um 
the, the, the lives of Karen and Richard. Okay. This is my other name. Hi, yeah. Richard. Nice oh, to meet you. <laughs> oh, Richard. Craig, nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I feel listening to a band like Dawes really separates me from like that camp fabulous world of Karen as well. Okay, sure. Which, which, which is really great. And I've always, I've always been a fan of rock and roll. For, for, for a long time yeah um since i grew up actually like music for me was my escapism when i was younger um i had a rocky like a rocky teenage life like every other gay person in the mm-hmm. world i guess yeah with family and um music for me was on my escape there was this band from um my god we're gonna go right back now uh, there's a band from perth in western australia called little birdie uh-huh oh i haven't heard of that they were like pop pop central yeah but i love them i was yeah. obsessed actually i've got like their symbol tattooed on my back really i used to travel around and see them all over the place even once in new york city wow. i think i've seen them live like 54 55 times or something like I that i love that i loved it and they were they were my they were my escape and i was such a groupie like i was a yeah. gross gross groupie <laughs> stage door johnny yeah and i feel like i've actually learned like a lot about how to be professional in this drag industry and how to behave around uh you know celebrities and stars and yeah. touring artists and all that sort of jazz by what i used to do when i was younger <laughs> you know and it's one of the great things that i can see myself in in like young fans nowadays yeah, sure. of drag even by by being a groupie of this band i learned what to do and what not to do i guess but they were just um they, they were an incredible pop artist from australia that i just used to escape yeah mm. well and so i imagine when you see someone being a little extra awkward in a situation like that where you're the performer you have a little sympathy for them because you're ah, like i know i have the just, sympathy yeah. i get it yeah yeah you know like they've they've they might not have anything um anything worth telling you or anything to say but just them being there with you is so exciting for them because they're escaping something else sure exactly escape is really important particularly when you're having tough times oh yeah uh, as a kid which you know i did as well and uh with school and all that stuff uh, the kids um so you said you had a rocky relationship with, mm. with your family yeah i, my, I grew up uh, my my mom had breast cancer when i was growing up i think she got it when i was three or four years old oh wow and uh she it kind of like came and went for like 10 years or so yeah and uh she eventually died when i was 14 but then i had a really nasty relationship with my dad after that but oh. he just like his way of dealing with it was moving on straight away to the queen of the witches oh. um <laughs> sure. yeah. and so my you know teenage grieving years were spent like trying to deal with this monster so and I had two younger brothers to kind of take care of as well. But when I turned eighteen, I just got out of there. Wow! Um, and music was the was the the transport, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. What was the first band that you remember being? Uh, well, besides Little Birdie, like just uh-huh. the first time you were really into music as a little kid. Oh, I can tell you right now. Well, the the first time I was into music, the first uh, the first EP I ever had was Tomorrow by Silverchair. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, they they were the, they were the first big band that I really got into. Mm-hmm. By the time their fourth album Diorama had come, came out, yeah, that was um, two thousand and two. Oh God, I don't know the years exactly, but I feel like Diorama. Diorama came out when my mom died, and so mm-hmm. that was that was my number one album. Yeah, and uh, they, they they were my first addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to you know turn turn all the lights off, close the curtains, and listen to uh, like Anna's song and cry. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we all need those songs. Yeah, yeah, they, they they remain so special. Like they can be so dark at one stage in your life, but they're just so so special later on. And I mean, I look back and laugh a little bit, but I still really love the music. Yeah. Mm. 
<laughs> Sorry, let me know. No, no, no. I wanted to give you a, a moment to pause because I, I have a uh, habit sometimes of asking a question immediately and then not giving the person the time to enjoy their beverage. Oh, it's like when the server comes over to your table at a restaurant and says, how is everything? And I just took my first bite. <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> right. Well, it looks too hot to put in my mouth right yeah. now. So I'm going to wait a second. Yeah. So when you moved out at 18, where did you go to? Uh, well, I, I mean, I just moved out of house. Uh, I, I, I stayed in Melbourne and moved into the city um, and kind of just... I didn't cut ties with the family, but I just like stayed away from them as much as possible. Yeah. And I, I lived in, I lived in the city and worked in bars for years and years and years. Um, the only time I've really ever lived away from the city that I grew up in, uh, was just before I started doing drag. I, you know, everyone that I was friends with, everyone that I was working with, they all took their overseas trip where they go and find themselves. Okay. Um, they all seem to be saving all this money and, having all this money to be able to go and take these huge trips i was working with them and had no money at all <laughs> i had nothing i sent to my name i could never save i was awful uh-huh. um so i sold everything that i had and yeah. got rid of my lease everything that didn't fit in my car and i drove from the east coast to the west coast of australia and uh, i moved to a little town called shark bay mm-hmm. which was uh, 12 hours north of the closest city it was 150 kilometers off the highway had a population of 600 people and only yeah. one road in and out of town. No traffic lights. Wow. Yeah. It was really isolated. And uh, Why did you pick there? Well, it was called Shark Bay. Uh-huh. I love sharks. Jaws is my favorite movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love sharks. I'd seen all of Australia because I used to fly around and chase Little Birdie around the band. Oh, right. So, I'd, I'd been everywhere except yeah. the northwest coast of Australia. Yeah. So, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and live in the middle of nowhere for a while. I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to get a four-wheel drive. I'm going to camp camp up the coast. Yeah. Um, different kind of camping, folks. It's different actual, kind of camping. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to live there and, I, I don't know, i work something out. Um, and uh, I, I looked at the map and there was a place called Shark Bay. So, I thought, great, I'm going to drive there. It was about 7,000 kilometers away i don't know how far that is in miles it was a long it took me weeks to get there yeah and uh i had no money on the way there i remember being halfway across the nullarbor which is like the longest straight road in the world okay it's in the middle of the desert and i ran out of petrol um so i had to pull over and like camp about two kilometers away from the local roadhouse for three days until i got paid by my last job to be able to afford petrol again you know crazy crazy ghetto sort of homeless kind of stuff (laughs) and uh (laughs) with little like hills have eyes mixed in there (laughs) oh well that was what i was scared of yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i eventually got to shark bay i lived there for about eight months i think Mm -hmm. um and i did all the above i got the four-wheel drive i got the dog i got i went camping and snorkeling and whatnot and um but felt like I enjoyed the escapism, but I was scared that I was missing out on the world. Sure. I, I was at the, I felt like I was at the world's end. Yeah. Um, and so I moved back to, um, I moved back to Melbourne and it was literally like the first week that I moved home that I did that thing where I went and bought the dress and oh, wow. went to the party. Yeah. Drag started for me like the second that I got home from Shark Bay. That's amazing. And how long total were you in Shark Bay? I was only there for eight months. That's a long time. But though. it's a long time when you're in the middle of nowhere. Especially at that age too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, being basically alone. What were the people like that were there? Okay. So I was friends with, um, I was friends with prostitutes. I was friends with pedophiles. I was friends with like, absolute criminals who were in, yeah. in and out of jail for the most rotten things I could possibly tell you. But it was this sort of town where the um, the community was so small and everyone that lived there was escaping something. Oh, okay. That you, 
became friends with them kind of no matter what. Sure. Like you accepted, uh, you know, it wasn't that you accepted who they were, you ignored who they were. Right. And you celebrated what you had. Right, um, right. And so it was really like, I felt like I made some really close friends there, but I don't speak to any of them anymore. Sure. Once I got out of there, I was out of there. Um, it's a situational yeah, Reality, very really. situational, yeah, yeah. very situational. And there were some dark things going on in that city, in that in that town, I should say. Dark, mm-hmm. dark things, but also really beautiful things as well. Right. Um, there were a lot of people there that just couldn't deal with the city or deal with uh, like community or anything like that. Yeah. And they, Society at large, kind of. Exactly. They find solace in being alone. Yeah. Um, and there's something beautiful in that. And when you accept that that's how they are, you're actually able to make friends with these people. Yeah. And it was just really eye-opening. Do you think that it had any effect on your socializing when you went back to the big city? I think that it affected me for sure in the in the sense that uh, I, so I'm a very I, I consider myself to be a very extroverted person. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy company all the time, and I really like to be out all the time. But there's also a complete other side to me that loves to be alone, mm-hmm. and I think that that um, uh, th- that love of being alone is what helped me get through my teenage years sure um because i i i learned i learned how to be alone in those years and when i got to shark bay and saw these people and met and networked with them i realized that that's not what i wanted for my life yeah and so coming back to the city i knew yeah i guess subconsciously i knew that i needed to find a way to live extrovertedly exactly mm. right right because you know well go, go, i've oh, never ahead. like spoken about that before in that context and uh that's really interesting to me oh, <laughs> i never fabulous. realized that before yeah oh that i'm really uh i'm really <laughs> pleased to hear that we had a moment yeah absolutely <laughs> do we need a second vb i think so well, we can take a pee break uh, uh, let's VB? take a pee break yeah, perfect. all right okay oh well hello there we are the fem dolls i'm cherry torn and i'm sophie monroe Dominatrix bitches, home alone, and ready to double down on making you our naughty slave. We love to hear all of your kinky secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't be shy. Come on, you can tell us anything. Are you gay? Because we just always like to know if a guy is gay. It feels so good to confess, doesn't it? Isn't everyone a little gay? Oh, so gay. (laughs) (laughs) Shall I do the honors? Yeah, I think you should. It's only right as you're the guest. Are you ready? Ah, that's that refreshing sound. Wow. It's, what do they call it? A- ASMR? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that we w- do like to dabble in ASMR. Usually yeah. it's in the form of uh, Brian having a snack. Or, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in today, it's Karen having a, a, a beer. <laughs> yes, exactly. We like to do the full spectrum. There's something sounds. so erotic about the opening of that. It's like that uh, the way they say anticipation, the Rocky Horror Show. You know, with the <laughs> click and then you just wait for the second. <sighs> yeah, that pause. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a tease in denial with sound. Yeah. yeah. Are you a big fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I am. Same here. Yeah, I I'm a fan of it. Uh, I think I saw it for the first time when I was maybe twenty or twenty one. Yeah. And however, my my mum got me a copy of it. Oh wow! Which I mean, if she died when I was fourteen, that I have to have been like twelve or thirteen max. Yeah, sure. And I don't know why. Well, 
her best friend who I'm really close with who's kind of stepped in and she's taken over like that motherly role. Yeah. She says that my mom always knew I was a gay. Uh-huh. I don't believe that for a second. Really? <laughs> I don't think I had any telltale signs. <laughs> I'm sure of it. But I just think it, like I, it makes me, it's kind of like the number one thing that makes me intrigued to know what my mom would be like if she was still around and what yeah. our relationship would be like. Sure. Because if she's giving me something like the Rocky Horror Show right. at 12. Yeah. You know, what kind of mom was she going to be when I started doing drag? Awesome. Right. Absolutely. Stage mom, show mom. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Hair's not big enough. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> she does. She also, she was not the sort of person that was like, uh, like totally down and cool with stuff like that. I mean, she was cool, but she wasn't like, she wasn't a cool mom. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't like blasting it, uh, it on yeah. the stereo when you uh, were walking around as a kid. No, yeah. she was listening it to ABBA and Celine Dion, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the other moms. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the Rocky Horror Show. So I, I think that I remember when I first watched it, I had that in mind. I thought, why was she Why was she introducing me to this? I love it. I'm obsessed with it, of yeah, course. Same here. It never gets old. The Rocky Horror Picture Show never gets old. Right. It is toured in Melbourne, Australia so many times, and I'm obsessed and I see it every time. Uh-huh. However, there was this guy, an actor called Craig McLaughlin, mm-hmm. who was in famously in Neighbours in oh, Australia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Which who, is also, that, that show is bigger in the UK, right? Bigger in the UK yeah. than it is at home. Right. Yeah. So, Craig McLaughlin uh, came on board as Frankenfurter. Uh-huh. Um, and he was the worst Frankenfurter <laughs> you've ever seen in your life. He is like- I'm He's, sure I could pull a clip. I'm sure there's something online of him. Yeah. Oh, of course you can. He's the straightest person you could ever find to play mm-hmm. Frankenfurter. I don't want to say so much so. <laughs> but you can. So, so much so. No, that's really downing straight people. I shouldn't say that at all. Uh, uh, he also uh, recently got pulled from the role because there were like uh, sexual abuse cases filed against him by the other actresses. Oh my um, God. In fact, there's like the set that they had in the Australian production of when he jumps in bed with um, with Janet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was in this, um, well, Brad and Janet, I guess. It, the right. bed was like a 2D bed that was vertical. It was up. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they kind of stood in the bed, you know, and uh, they had a doona in front of them. And she filed um, charges against him for touching her inappropriately under that doona while they were performing oh, in man. a circumstance where she couldn't do anything about exactly. it because she was on stage. Right. What Yuck. a creep. That Yuck. is so loathsome, especially in a show that's birthed from the notion of freedom and, exactly. and freedom from persecution for yeah. being yourself and all that. What a, what a low life. But And I always ask myself, why was he cast in this role? But I know why it was, it, he was cast to bring in that like that straight suburban audience right? Um, who were all there for the wrong reasons. And so, mm-hmm. the Rocky Horror Show, not necessarily the movie, but the Rocky Horror Show, yeah. for me, has really been tainted. I would love to see it done properly again. Yeah, that's, so, that is a shame. Yeah. But one good thing that it's been touring so often that uh that means that richard o'brien makes the money he should have made from the movie which he doesn't exactly yeah yeah it, well it's touring i mean it's i think it's constantly touring in australia so i hope he's getting something from it yeah okay and he lives in new zealand I oh think. really yeah he's originally from new zealand and now he's back there and uh, i think he got remarried a couple of years ago oh there you go so what are some other films like Rocky Horror, that have had a big impact on you. Of course, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Certainly. Iconic, remarkable, incredible. Yeah. It was one of the you know the, the first and only things that any of us would ever see on television. Uh-huh. Um, and that did a lot, too, to, I guess, raise awareness of drag. Yeah. Yeah. It... it uh, f- from accounts of like other drag queens who who have obviously been around a lot longer than I have back home, Priscilla had the effect on the Australian queer and drag communities the, the, the same as what RuPaul has had 
okay sure with drag race yeah um the, you know there was the resurgence in the bars everyone yeah. wanted the drag queens and it really cemented like the iconic australian way of drag mm -hmm. uh, in the international spectrum yeah so that i mean priscilla is incredible um muriel's wedding oh sure an amazing australian film shamefully i have not seen that yet oh you haven't seen muriel's wedding and, and i love abba and yeah i know you know what i need to see that i just finally saw the thing which uh, I, I I couldn't believe I hadn't seen. So now that's the next on the, I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. List. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, it's a huge list, isn't it? Everyone's yeah. got a huge list. <laughs> it's a massive I'm sure list. Mine's, my list is longer than yours. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Mira's Wedding is great. Actually, they just did, um, they, they just made a, a musical, uh, oh, like okay. a, a live a live stage musical of yeah. Muriel's Wedding, which is incredible. And Kate Miller-Heidke uh, did all the music for, who was just our Australian entrant into Eurovision this oh, year. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Who did incredibly well. Um, maybe another less known Australian film that I really loved growing up with is a film called Amy, mm -hmm. um, also with Rachel Griffiths, who was in Muriel's oh, Wedding. okay. And uh, uh, what's his name? Ben Mendelsohn? Um, who I think he, he he's made it kind of in the big time over here in Hollywood. I think he was in like the last couple of Star Wars movies. Oh, okay. But yeah. um, I mean, when he was much younger, he did this movie with Rachel Griffiths called Amy, which is about a um, uh, a young girl who has a rock and roll father. Mm -hmm. um, and she witnesses him being electrocuted and killed live on stage at, oh, a, wow. at a rock concert. Yeah. And she goes silent. Uh, Rachel Griffiths is the mother is trying to like raise this th this child and um, she doesn't talk for years and years and years until she hears Ben who's down the street and he plays the neighbor uh, he plays guitar at the front and she, she it's like she can't talk but she can only respond through music oh okay and musically and it's just like I mean it's really cheesy really really cheesy and obviously uh, it's been made from um, like a playwright but uh, it's such a beautiful movie yeah I love it cheesy's alright cheesy's okay as long as it's moving, yeah. I'm down. Oh, I'm it's so it. moving. Yeah. The most frustrating part for me, though, is this uh, this scene at the end where, um, I won't give it away, but they're in a taxi and they're racing around Melbourne City trying to find something. And the the editing is so disjointed. Uh -huh. And for someone that knows the city so well, it's so the continuity <laughs> is just awful. But I do love picking out those mistakes in film. Oh, it's the best, especially in a terrible film. And I love a terrible film. Sure. Too. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sometimes... I'll choose a terrible film over a good film. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the mood, eh? Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're probably my top favorites. Actually, I've got and a Jaws, I've yeah. got Jaws tattooed on my arm over here. Let me oh, show wow, you. Oh yeah, please. Wait, let me take a let me take a snap of that. Hold on. I actually got this tattoo um, while I was living in Shark Bay, so it was like a cross between the love of Jaws. Yeah. The love of Shark Bay is a city. Yeah. And uh, in this tattoo, he's like breaking through a mirror. So he's oh, like yeah, yeah. sorting out. He's like breaking through his reflection. He's becoming more than what he can see in the mirror. <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> <laughs> so meaningful. So Maybe. cheesy. <laughs> what did you make of all the Jaws sequels? Jaws 2 was really good. Is it? So you haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I don't have much memory of it. Jaws 2 is um, probably a lot more enjoyable. Because um, Scheider's in it. Roy Schneider? Yeah, uh, no, yeah Roy Scheider. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is in the first three. Oh, is he in I, three? I don't think he's in. I don't think anyone is in three. No, no. You know um, who is though? I think like uh, Universal Executive's wife. I think <laughs> that's. I think literally who's playing. Is that true? Something like that. Like wow. the woman. She had some kind of connection to someone big. Yeah. And what's um, in in the, in the fourth one is um, uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yeah. Where and famously, there's the scene where he's pulled out of the water, 
and then the camera cuts and then they go back and his shirt's completely dry his hair is perfect oh amazing yeah <laughs> okay they, that, now that's a movie i haven't seen since i was since i was much younger as well enjoyably and terrible i haven't seen the third one since i've only seen the third one once jaws 3d i think it was called yeah and uh but the first two i, I mean i watch them all the time i love them i'll have to revisit the second one because the third one i've weirdly seen more than maybe the original i'm not sure <laughs> that's not weird i'm not surprised at all. <laughs> but the second is action-packed oh, okay it's action-packed it's the number one you know it's the original teen movie oh sure yeah what do you do for fun these days i really do like to go and see drag shows yeah that's uh, great you still have the love for it Cause, yeah cause sometimes you know people get a little burnt out on it but again keeping the separation i'm sure that helps i always say the only thing better than a good drag show is a shit drag show you know this is just like the terrible film thing yeah because you know a connoisseur yeah does enjoy but when i say a shit drag show i don't mean like i don't mean a bad drag show i mean like I, I want to be confused. Okay. You know, when someone is up there and they're just making a total mess of themselves, but they do it with intention. Yeah. And um, it's calculated, but who knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> I, I love it. It it's blows that, my yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, I don't really like... I love I love a good alternative drag show that's that's done properly, but I love like a polished drag queen doing something fucking weird. Uh-huh. That's oh, my that favorite. Is, yeah, I do love that. I I love any time that you see something and you're like, oh my god, like what is this? I don't know. Like I'm not familiar with this. Like when I first saw Katya, actually. Oh yeah. You know, doing the Russian numbers mm-hmm. and then the spoken word religious number into pussy good, pussy sweet, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, what was the other thing I was going to ask you? Um, sorry, my mind just went blank. I'm still very tired from uh, this from, weekend it's an exhausting weekend really also is. who do i think i am sitting here saying that dragon is exhausting uh, <laughs> i am exhausted from trying to get people into my booth <laughs> i don't know how the other girls do it but yeah i it, didn't even have a booth i just you know you're and you're exhausted yeah, there you go exactly i might have socialized a little bit too much afterwards as well but hey you know what are you gonna do <laughs> oh, that's a no, that's a rookie mistake <laughs> now i know now i know and i'll probably do the same thing next time <laughs> <laughs> it's inevitable it was fun it's it's a it's a great weekend oh my goodness yeah the, uh, the, I, I made a really smart decision not to book myself any gigs on the sunday night when i saw that there was the big after parties the things mm. this i was like i don't know how mm. they've done especially have you know people in full regalia yeah standing all day yep and by the way i wanted to mention your outfits are spectacular and i love the use of color and especially when i saw you at, at the con you you were in an all green number yes fabulous glasses oh thanks well. yeah yeah i actually really like old school drag i really like um i mean inevitably big hair i love i love big boobs uh-huh i love a big ass uh-huh. ass i would say <laughs> I, I i love i love crazy you know i i remember going to this rock and roll band from melbourne they were called the blow waves they're a queer like indie like punk band yeah um that i used to love when i was much younger their number one groupie was a drag queen. I can't remember what her name was for the life of me. And she just wore balloons as boobs mm-hmm. and always a band shirt. And I thought she was the most outrageously beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Um, I, I love I love it big, bold, colorful, like camp and crazy. Yeah. I don't care for this gothic, you know. Minimal. Tiny yeah. little person. Uh-huh. Not here for it. <laughs> I'm not here for it. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I just want to be entertained. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite on season 11? No, take, uh, yes. Yeah, I'll take my seven. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Do I have a favorite on season 11? Yeah, uh, Nina West is my kind of drag queen. Yeah. I love a political drag queen and mm-hmm. I love a camp drag queen. They're the first number twos. 
I love Nina West was incredible. I would love to have seen her go all the way, but I can't wait to see what she does afterwards. I I thought Akira was great. She's yeah. a very polished, incredible drag queen. Yeah. I think she'd be an incredible entertainer outside mm-hmm. of the show. Sure. Um, and I think Evie's going to take it. Yeah. 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 She seems like she's got the right underdog story arc yeah. going for her, and she's a great entertainer and uh, you know Absolutely, an interesting yeah. personality. I think she did really well. Did you see her pink carpet entrance? No, I was. I watched the pink carpet, but I was right up the other end. Sure. Well, the the videos on the I think the DragCon Instagram. Okay, I'll it's have to great because I missed it. I missed it, but mm-hmm. I think because that was because you know I was like uh, pacing around waiting to do the panel, so I was like going in there trying to see if because I wanted to uh, make sure that it sounded great because oh, we were recording course. it. But anyway, then that's the kind of thing. Then afterwards, you go, "Oh yeah, there was this huge thing happening right over that beside that pane of glass," and I wasn't like even aware. Well, that's what happens when you're like. I mean, I don't not presuming that you're nervous, but if you're like anxious about something big that's about to take off, you you completely suffocate all of your surroundings. That's what it is. I get tunnel vision with yeah, it. Yeah, tunnel just like, vision. Okay, so we got that now. Can I play this playlist? Do they have Wi-Fi? That mm-hmm. that just all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. No, I watched the the pink carpet was really exciting this year. I think I feel like they had more queens walking it than they ever have before. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what, I mean, I think DragCon is really funny because you've got like the psychics down one end. The, yeah, yeah. the first year I did DragCon, the booth next to us was selling broth. <laughs> I saw something, some kind of stem cell thing. It's so weird. Yeah. But I mean, it's great that these people are there because they bulk it out and that's what DragCon is, you know, it's the, it's a convention. Yeah, right, exactly. But people are there for the drag queens um, and they're specifically there for the drag race queens so let's have a moment with them all entering on the pink carpet and celebrate right. it that, that's what it's about yeah um so i really i really enjoyed the pink carpet this year i was really happy to see rupaul doing the dj set i missed the ru talk sadly <laughs> yeah. so i was happy to see that that was fun yeah rupaul djing was pretty amazing especially because he's on this platform i'm sure most of you listening have seen video of this but he's on this giant platform that underneath is this massive video screen with nothing but images of RuPaul from over the years. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Th- there's no one else uh, like living or dead that would get away with that much narcissism. <laughs> but I respect it. I love every bit of it. Same here. You know, I was uh, booked to do a show on the main stage at DragCon on the Sunday directly following RuPaul. So I was very honored to have RuPaul warming up. Yeah. yeah, opening yeah. For- <laughs> Not a bad opening act. For us. Yeah. But, uh, like... I was kind of standing back watching Rue DJing and thinking, oh my God, she just looks like a bit of a robot up there. Like She's having a great time, but this is yeah. crazy. But then when I got backstage and was ready to do the number, I was told by her manager, I guess, that uh, you know she was having a really good time and we were going to be going on an hour late because okay. she decided that she wanted to DJ for longer. And I thought, you know what? That's amazing. It that's is. That's really incredible. Yeah. I, I know I'm pushing things back, but I'm having a good time. Yeah. And it's kind of my thing. It's Well, it's RuPaul's Drag Con. Exactly. You do what you want. And I thought, I'm more than... Go on two hours late. I don't mind. Like, right. it, this is your drag con and you're enjoying it. So, you're asking for more stage time. That's great. Yeah, it is. I love to hear people enjoying themselves. Oh, and also you did a lip sync during the DJ set. Yeah. To Ace of Bases, I Saw the Sign. That, right? that, that, yeah, that's right. Are yeah. we there? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> oh, okay, I love it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll post a clip of it. I took some video. Well, yeah, the manager out the back, they said, Rue's pushing it back. She wants to keep DJing. Would you like to do a runway? I said, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they said, no, we think you should. So, we said, all right, we'll go out there. And um, it was a pretty it was a pretty iconic moment for me, I guess. Rue on the microphone saying, everybody, it's Karen from Finance. And I yeah. thought, oh, wow, what life am I living? Who do I think I am? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, who is the other queen with you? Uh, so her name is Art Simone. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's from my city as well, from Melbourne. She's been doing drag a lot longer than I have. Um, just is one of the most spectacular, like, artistic, creative drag minds I've ever come across in my mm. life. And I, I'm so honored and lucky to be able to... Uh, call her a sister and say that I'm from the same city as her and have her represent what drag in our city is. Yeah. Um, her, I mean, her looks all of drag con were just spectacular. They're always incredible. Yeah. And I don't know anyone more hardworking in the industry than her. What's the uh, upstart drag scene like right now? The upstart drag scene in uh, Melbourne? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what it is like comparatively to everywhere else, but uh, we are really big on celebrating what they call baby drag. Yeah. Um, there's a baby drag night pretty much every Thursday at every club back home. I think all around Australia, um, people are really celebrating um, new up-and-comers. And, of course, we're always looking for new talent that are ready to, you know, take the next step and start doing club shows and yeah. and working more permanently. Um, I love it. I love seeing the baby drag shows because I think that they always put in a lot more effort than anybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got the gig, you're working every week. Sometimes, I mean, I know I'm guilty for it, for not coming up with new work as often as I probably should. But mm -hmm. the baby queens are always trying to make that name for themselves. And sure. they're just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. What's your regular gig? You know, I don't have really have a regular gig. Yeah. I don't know how I can call myself a full-time queen because I, wor I work enough. Like I well, work that's full around time. the clock, yeah. but I don't have a regular gig. I have one weekly gig, yeah. uh, which is an event called Thursday um, at Yaya's, which again is like a punk rock venue in Melbourne, which I love. Yeah. Uh, every Thursday night at like half past 12, um, I get up and host a competition called Lip Sync for Your Pint. <laughs> we get two wasted kids to jump up. I give the best lip syncer a pint of beer and move on. We give away like 10 beers, but I didn't do a number. Um, yeah. And that's very like Karen from Binance style. <laughs> She's known for turning up and hosting or emceeing a gig, but she like very rarely performs okay i don't know how i built that for myself but i really like it i, I really enjoy emceeing and you know being part of the crowd um well karen is in administration so this is you know very in line yeah, yeah. It, it works with the character as well you know she works nine to five monday to friday very hard uh and then friday night drinks call and she's out for the weekend exactly and so if it means that she gets given a microphone at the club then so be it <laughs> but yeah other than that thursday night gig i i do my other my next regular gig i guess is working with in the dark the touring company yeah um there's always you know a tour on at least once a month or so so i'm often out doing that and then i'm also part of a a, a drag cabaret called yummy Okay. Uh, which we perform pretty regularly, actually. Uh, we're about to go and do a, a five-week stint in London oh, over wow. summer. Cool. We're doing seven shows a week for five weeks. Wow. <laughs> On the Thames in London. No, uh, that's not full-time. <laughs> it's full-time. It's full-time. But you know what I mean? Like, I find myself busy week to week, but every week is different. Sure. And also, there's a lot of prep. There is a lot of uh, planning that goes into that. And every time you're thinking about the job, that is work. It, that's exactly right. And every time you think about the job is every second of the waking day. <laughs> right, exactly. I guess what helps get me so much work is the fact that I am called Karen from finance. Mm -hmm. And I do work in a niche. I get a lot of um, really interesting corporate gigs. Oh, that um, makes sense. Yeah. Like very recently, I was working at a, a makeup festival for one of the big four banks in Australia. Uh, they went to their marketing company and said, we are a bank and we are going to be the official sponsor of the makeup festival. What do you have that could possibly link makeup and finance? <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> we've got the perfect thing for you. You yeah. know, um, I, I once got called in at the end of financial year to this um, retail 
like giant organization yeah um they had an amazing year and made millions yeah and they wanted to spice things up at their end of financial year meeting so they called me in to surprise the board mm -hmm. and read out like the figures for the end of financial year report and i just thought how 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 did this happen that's amazing and they're they're the sort of gigs that i, that I get yeah well yeah. that's great right? i love it god bless mm, yeah. i love it i hope they keep coming yeah i'm sure they will <laughs> any other things you'd like to talk about before we uh, conclude yeah well i guess um um, it's you know, a perfect link. Th these are the gigs that I that I do day in day out. But I I would like to take more control over what my output is. Sure. I guess any artist wants you know yeah. to have more control over the creative out output that they have. So I'm I'm currently working on my first debut one woman show. Oh, fantastic! Which is called Out of Office, <laughs> <laughs> aptly named. Um, which is touring with In the Dark. Um, they've been great. so great to take me on board as their first non Rue girl, really, to uh -huh. do a tour. Apart from Sherilyn Barnes, hi Sherilyn. Uh, I'm touring Australia and New Zealand in September with this show. It's like a full length, seventy five minute show, oh, one wow. woman show. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm I'm excited because I think I think it's really different to all the one woman shows I've seen thus far in the drag you know industry. Sure, uh, it's uh, fully narrative based. Oh, great. So it's very theatrical. Yeah, you know, it's a uh, there's a there's, there's at least like twelve or thirteen numbers in it. So it's yeah full of drag, but it's a uh, I, I I tell a story. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, I don't want to give too much away. No, no, you got to leave a little mystery and suspense <laughs> to find out what, what Karen from finance is going to get herself up to. When she's out of office. Oh, yes. <laughs> a lot of things can change when Karen is out of office. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are a couple of your signature numbers that you, you do? My number one signature number is, a, is one that I call Karen Gets Fired, uh -huh. which is actually the first number that i ever made oh really um it's still to this day i can what i consider the best it's like seven minutes long um and it tells a story of uh karen getting fired from the office by a cfo yeah he, he's a misogynist and i think uh you know there's like eight different songs that are ma mashed together with some dialogue so he fires her because her, what does he say her tits are too small her um uh her breath stinks and something else and he fires her and she gets upset and decides that she's gonna fight to get her job back yeah and um the our first ever female prime minister julia gillard did this amazing speech in parliament uh about sexism and misogyny and i, I do the speech as part of this number mm -hmm. um when i'm trying to fight for the job back so that's probably my number one iconic number that's my favorite performance to do yeah and that ends with nine to five. Oh. The yeah classic yeah there's, it's iconically right that karen from finance would celebrate getting her job back by doing the song nine to five which yeah. is actually about really suffering in the workplace <laughs> exactly yeah um and maybe one day you'll get out from under this rock <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> have you ever seen dolly's performance in nine to five at the 15th anniversary of disney world or land the whatever the younger one is because uh, one of them has been around for forever the other one was not that old anyway it features dolly giving a a speech to all of the female Disney characters who have been kept after working hours by the mean old boss. And it's like, you don't have to take this. Listen. And then she's given a whole speech and then she goes to the nine to five with Minnie Mouse and wow. oh, it's amazing. I'll send it to you. Please do. And the special that it's from is hosted by the golden girls. No. Oh yeah. Oh wow. It's incredible. There's an appearance by Webster. Yeah. It's chock full of hits. Okay, well, that's what I'm going to watch when I get home Perfect. tonight, immediately when I get home. That sounds incredible. Golden Girls, Minnie Mouse, and Dolly Parton, all yep. in one. Wow. All in one. Great. Delightful two-hour package. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, it's been such a delight having you on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And what song would you like to close out with? 
Uh, all right. Well, you know what? If we already played Working Girl by Dolly Parton. Yeah. What do you want? Another camp song or? It's up to you. Totally up to you. Um, oh, yeah, let's play a little birdie song. Yes. Perfect. <gasps> let's perfect. play a little birdie song. All right. You know what song it's going to be? Um, okay. Well, let's, let's play the number one, right? The number one, their debut hit from their first album. It's called Beautiful to Me. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. Well, here we go with Little Birdie and Beautiful to Me. Thanks so much, Karen. Oh, wait, and where can people find you online if they don't already know? Of course, you put the at symbol or the hashtag in front of Karen from Finance on every platform, and my website is straight up and down, karenfrombinance.com. Perfect. Till next time, everyone. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Thank you.